Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, the podcast exploring fantasy flight games Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dana. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're back in the studio to return to the Scarlet Keys to talk all about investigators. It's the Investigators of Arkham, the Scarlet Keys edition. And we have uh, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. Not seven. But (laughs) six new investigators to talk about, right? Uh, yeah, it's a good number. Which is very special. That's only happened a couple of times before. Is there any interesting math trivia about the number six? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually, it's actually a perfect number, which I think means that all of its divisors except itself add up to itself. But I always thought that was kind of dumb. Like, what's the point of that? Nobody, no, nobody Mm. really cares about this is what I'm I'm getting at. (laughs) True. True. Nevertheless, a very aesthetically pleasing number. You know, we all we all love the classic hexagon, one of the one of the top shapes. I'm sure we'd all agree. So, I, I do have a lot of fondness for the number six. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, speaking of speaking of numbers, uh, a number a number similar to six, but not quite. Just to remind everybody, when we do these investigator episodes, um, for each investigator we talk about, we're trying to answer five questions. Uh, what is their greatest strength? What is their greatest flaw? What kind of role can they play in a group or on their own? What are some of their favorite cards? And lastly, kind of a fun one, uh, what movie would they star in? Or, or another way to think about it is if you're going to try to watch a movie to get in the mood to play this investigator, uh, which one would it be? And we, we usually try to pick a movie that's at least sort of good or interesting and also sort of matches with what the investigator is all about. And uh, whenever possible, we try to pick one that at least one or more of us has seen. So hopefully we'll be able to do that today. So without, without delaying any longer, should we just uh, start immediately talking about these uh, six investigators? Yeah, let's do it. Starting with the Guardians. All right. All right. Yeah, so first up we got Carson Sinclair, uh, the butler. He is the Guardian of the pack. He has a two in every stat, and he's an assistant. He has six health, six sanity, and his ability is you may take an additional action during your turn, which can only be used on the below action ability. Uh, And that ability is uh, choose another investigator at your location. They immediately take an action as if it were their turn. Limit once per round for each investigator. And the Elder Sun effect is a plus zero, draw one card. You may resolve this effect anytime another investigator at your location resolves their Elder Sign effect. Uh, his deck building is uh, similar to is it Mandy and, and Tony. At deck, at deck creation, he picks between Seeker, Mystic, or Survivor. And then he has Guardian level 0 to 5, Neutral 0 to 5, and then up to 10 cards uh, level 0 to 1 that are events or skills and or skills of that chosen secondary class. Deck requirements, he has two copies of his signature as you wish, and one copy of his weakness plus uh, the random basic weakness. I'll read his his cards quick. Uh, So his as you wish is a skill card with three wild symbols on it. He can only commit it to skill tests being performed by another investigator. If the test succeeds, the performing investigator draws a card. If it fails, you draw one card. And then he has selfless to a fault as his weakness. It's a flaw, a treachery. Uh, put selfless to a fault into play in your threat area. Forced at the end of your turn if you did not commit at least one card to a skill test performed by another investigator. 
This turn, take one horror and shuffle selfless to a fault into your deck. So I know, um, I know, I know Ben has played Carson through a whole campaign because, uh, when we did our Innsmouth run at uh, Arkham Knights last year, Ben was playing Carson. So I, I've, I've seen Carson in action in, in that sense. Dana, have you, have you had some direct Carson experience? Yeah, I did. I played Carson through the entirety of Dark Matter. Okay. As in sort of like a blessed run. So not totally traditional, like straight up, but it was definitely still fun. Well, well, I'm, I'm curious. Was that a, how, how big was the group in that run? Three. Three people. Okay, yeah. Because the first thing, before we even get into like the, the strength and flaw and things, Carson seems like, almost sort of like Carolyn, but maybe even more so, you really want to play him in a large group, like as large as possible. Like I, probably a very bad solo character and probably even a pretty bad, probably even a pretty bad character in two player, right? We should, we should preface this by saying zero out of 10 solo yeah (laughs) but 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 potentially good in larger groups i'm sure like sure folks challenge themselves by being like i'm gonna play carson solo but uh you know it it would be a challenge i don't i I don't know if anyone's saying oh no he's he's a star in solo (laughs) people will do it but it's very much like playing playing dark souls is the uh whatever class it is it starts with like nothing the wretch gear yeah Yeah, exactly whatever it's it's that kind of jam kind of um (laughs) and, and, and yeah so just right off the bat as like a role so Often in the past, when we talk about what roles these investigators can play, we tell people don't build like a pure support deck. You kind of want to also be sort of good at other stuff. Oh yeah, With Carson, you're kind of all in on support. You kind of don't really even have other options. I think is that is that more or less right? I feel like that's been our view for a long time, right? Like we've yeah. always, even though Min came out, we were always like air towards getting some clues and not being totally useless. And and to be fair, like that that evolves as the card pool expands. Like there is more support totally. cards now than there have been in the past, and certainly Carson has his own abilities that maybe make that viable. So it is it is it, it it's kind of a different different scenario. But yeah, he's definitely. I think it's hard to build him as anything other than like a pure support character. He is pure support. You certainly could like try to really stack like some combat cards in from Guardian to like make it so he can fight stuff. But that's that's an uphill battle. I don't think leans into his strength. When we did that Innsmouth run, um, I was playing. I was playing Daryl, you know, the the best survivor in the game, and uh, I couldn't really fight anything. So occasionally we'd have an enemy to deal with, and I would be like, uh, "Can somebody help me with this?" And I would remember that Ben was playing a guardian, and I would kind of glance over <laughs> at Ben's side table, like, "Ben, is there any way you can deal with this?" And he would just say, "No, absolutely not." And uh, <laughs> after the first couple scenarios, I, I kind of learned. I was like, "Okay, it's not even really I think worth asking. Said, it's not." I probably said, "No, sir. I think you could handle it. I believe in you." <laughs> or something yeah, along those I, lines. I, and I rolled my <laughs> nice. eyes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, moved on with my life, probably. Or, or but, perhaps um, Mr. Cade will come and help. Uh, well, so. <laughs> okay, so 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 Ben, like, well, actually, both of you guys, what would you say is Carson's greatest strength compared to other characters you could have in your group? I mean, it's it's nice that he can give everybody at the table an extra action. He uh, he can definitely lean. He there's little temptation to try to lean into like actually getting <laughs> clues or fighting. Okay, so yeah. he could really do the full support of like uh, I think I ran him. I did a bunch of blessed nonsense to get blessed stuff to trigger. And I did a lot of uh, support healing and like soaking damage. Uh, there's a lot of cards uh, that existed. And even when it came out in this expansion that were like uh, that, that soaked or, um, or, uh, or block damage. And then, um, and then a lot of skill cards that were like big commits to help people pass tests or get some type of good benefit from passing tests. So I get, I guess with him, the goal, the idea is if he's on the table, he has to enable the other investigators uh, to be like, if you're in like a four-player group, they have to be like more than 33% better. Like he gives them an action plus makes their other actions even more valuable is the idea. Yeah, that is basically my exact experience with Carson. 
I played in very much tons of soak and committing literally nothing to myself. Best part about playing him, the only tests you do are during the mythos phase. (laughs) Everything else is feeding other people money, cards, and actions, and that's it. And then and then you just stick on somebody with safeguard and you just you just sit. It's great. <laughs> I mean, certainly, yeah, if you really hate drawing chaos tokens, this might be a good deck for you. But well, okay, <laughs> yeah. so so kind of segueing over into greatest flaw and just kind of playing devil's advocate here. So, okay, so Carson can make everyone else in the team better. Is that is that always better than just having another character that can actually do stuff in the group though, right? Like you've got this support character that gives everybody an extra action, but is is that better than just having, you know, like a I don't know, like a like a Tony Morgan or a Ursula Downs in your group, you know? I think I mean I think it depends on your team comp. The comp we ran Arkham Knights, uh Daryl and and Charlie and Carson all had stuff to like move instantly or follow each other around, so we were just a giant ball the whole time. Cuddle puddle. <laughs> so he was always nice. able to give at least two actions out every turn. And Kamani was like usually there, though sometimes they wandered off to do random nonsense on the other side of the map because they had a a bunch right. of bunch of their own movement stuff. So <laughs> yeah. I think I think if you're doing a team where you're kind of grouped up a lot, he's he's very good. If you are a team that kind of wants to like spread out and people are like moving around and doing their own thing, then he's not gonna be very helpful. So like if you're running like a Monty or an Ursula that's gonna like run around the map and he has to either chase them with safeguard and separate from the rest of the team or uh, just let them be them by themselves that he's not going to be not going to be that strong in that scenario i think i think that's kind of my take on this is that like if you have the group set up right which isn't that hard to do and if you have like a four player group or maybe a three player group and if someone who really knows what they're doing is building the carson deck which ben i think made a lot of smart choices when we were in that group he can basically be as good as having like another regular character in the in the team and that alone just because it's something different to try like makes it worth trying because it's just kind of interesting mm. but i i don't think i don't know it's hard for me to see where you would be like oh man we really need a carson in this group because like that's gonna i don't know i, I guess it can it definitely made things it definitely made it feel like we could pay for stuff easier because you had motivational speeches and he had yep. ever vigilance um oh, yeah. it, it, you know it, it it made us change our deck building decisions which was kind of fun it also made the scenarios yes. i feel like take a little bit longer because like normally the thing that slows the game down is coordinating between players to kind of decide what to do, or at least the way we play. I think some people kind of skip that part, which is fine. So with Carson, you're kind of, everyone is helping everybody else, which is nice, but it also can mean that a turn takes like, you know, 40 minutes. Well, I mean, part of his thing is uh, he enables investigators to go out of order kind of, right? Cause he can, exactly. he can give yeah. out extra actions. So like, if you have a scenario where it's like, Oh, uh, you know, somebody needs to evade this before I can do something. And you can be like, oh, uh, you know, I, I give you an action to evade and somebody else can have an action to attack it or, or something like that. And it, it changes up the normal order operations where you can, like, get one important action in, out, out, one important action done before uh, you have to take your full turn, which then kind of enables yeah. some stuff. So, Which is powerful, but it also, it, it's a more complicated decision to make yeah. at the start of the investigator phase. Yeah. I wanted to highlight something real quick that you said, Dan. So I know we're talking about weaknesses right now, but one really cool strength is that you get to build your decks differently because Carson is only putting support cards in, only putting those like economy card draw engine stuff. So you can make your, you can afford to make your deck really different and interesting if there's a Carson on your team. And there's almost nobody that doesn't want a Carson on their team in that like, sure, I'll take extra actions. Sure. I'll take money in cards. Like if that's all you're doing for the entire game, then why not? Right. But that also gets into the issue of like, 
those weird messy scenarios where you're like, oh, Carson's engaged with an enemy and can't give us actions without taking AOOs. So, you know, we have to configure a way where, you know, like Tony goes first and punches the thing off of him. And then, you know, there's there's some weird stickiness that can happen there. And also Carson's really vulnerable if you don't if you don't have your assets down or if you get hit by like a, a weird crypt chill at the wrong time or something like that. And your hunter's armor goes away. Now you're just going to get wrecked because, you know, you're a 6-6 six, six investigator who has two in every stat. Like, what, what were you expecting? So, that, so yeah. that's kind of fo- following on that, Dana. Like, the last thing I'll say about this, uh, and again, this is still sort of devil's advocate because I, I swear I'm not trying to, like, hate on Carson. But I, I asked Ben when we were, like, at, near the end of that campaign, how much how much of the value of having Carson on the team was coming from, like, Carson's actual investigator card and abilities? And how much of it was coming from just playing all the good support cards, like Stand Together and Upgraded Ever Vigilant and Gearish and all these other good cards? Like, could you just roll up, like, a like a Mark or a Roland deck or something and just play more support cards than a typical Guardian does and be, like, almost as good at support as Carson but also be able to fight stuff when you really need to? Like, that that's... I'm still kind of wondering that because I'm not sure... I'm not sure how much of this is, like... Carson is great and how much of it is just there are a lot of good support cards now and you actually can make a support deck I think in if you're trying to make a support deck with other investigators um you're taking away the benefits of some of their abilities like if you're playing Mark uh, and you're trying to play a bunch more support it might be harder to actually murder stuff have actions to murder stuff and I mean you'd right. still be Mark you would still be Mark <laughs> so you would draw lots of cards but I don't know you certainly could build another support investigator it's just like it, it feels not as a uh, I don't know. It feels like you're. It feels more forced. It'd be like again. It'd be like playing Carson trying to fight stuff. It feels. It's feels a little. A it's a little bit more like try hard min maxing and maybe less fun or less interesting. I would definitely concede that. Yeah. So I had actually tracked the number of actions that I had given away, every scenario, <laughs> with dice. Every time I gave. So I was playing with nice. a Tommy and his sister Mary, and on average there was between thirteen and nineteen actions given to each of the investigators in every scenario, which is a ridiculous amount of actions. But that is also including things like Ever Vigilant Level 4, Stand Together cards, uh, motivational speeches, and things like that. So it's maybe a little bit more skewed towards like the 10 to 15 range or something like that. Even still, that feels like a lot of value. For, for a investigator, I never felt like I was in terrible amount of like concerning straits with. You know, like there was, there was always yeah. somebody who was able to peel an enemy off of me. And then I'd be able to, like, give somebody an action and shortcut in with that action that they used, which was always a neat thing. But yeah. Hmm. One more really quick question. Is his weakness actually bad at all? It kind of seems more or less harmless. Like, like it's annoying that you can't ever really completely get rid of it, but it kind of you're usually committing cards to people. It feels like it, even if it does trigger, it's like one horror and you probably have a ton of stuff to soak it. Yeah, kind of. it's annoying yeah. in that, like, oh, it's a dead draw and you draw it a bunch of times. Cause it... And you have to remember it. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it shuffles back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, shuff- totally. it shuffles back in if you if you don't do it. But yeah, you, you might stick at It probably stays out a couple turns, then it eventually goes away. I don't remember it yeah. being that i remember being mildly annoying not like a not like a terrible weakness not like a windy a windy weakness or whatever you know um that's yeah right. and his, his signature card is nice too because that's you know it's a three commit symbol and it draws a card for somebody too which is nice so oh yeah yeah i guess the one thing we haven't mentioned yet is like he he's maybe we'll talk more about like cards that he likes but he gets to yeah. choose the seeker mystic or survivor too which gives him a couple different ways he can build because those each have their own set of like support cards Right. That's pretty that cool. You might want. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like, I feel like if, if you're going pure support, 
I feel like Mystic would be fun. I guess you couldn't get the good ward, but you could get some sort of like wardy things and things like that that might be good. Yeah, yeah. Segwaying over into talking about cards, so favorite cards, the one that we've already talked about that seemed pretty essential is Safeguard. Mm. Yep. There, there's also, because you want to stay on top of people to be helping them. Right. Um, we also talked about various support cards like Ever Vigilant, Motivational Speech, uh, Stand Together, and any other really good Carson cards we should mention. Uh, I liked uh, Grish who's the new ally yeah. that came out. Gerish. He likes soaks damage and horror and, and helps people pass tests and yeah. And gives skill has still boost and heals himself when like he gives yep. the skill boost. So I am like willing him. to say he is one of the best allies in the game now, just straight up. He was yeah. ridiculously good. It seems very good. He he turned out a lot better than I was expecting. Yeah. Right. Me too. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he certainly could fit into other decks, but I think for Carson, because he's already trying to like do health soak stuff and boost other people's skills, it like fits very nicely in for him. Right. It's almost um, like committing two things if you get to use Gearish and also commit something to somebody, and then you're just boosting yeah. a stat by five or something like that ridiculous. So he was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I think the bottom line is like, assume that you're always going to be on other people's locations and assume that you, you're you never going to pass any tests. It's like, choose cards based on mm-hmm. those things. So like, any exactly. card that kind of gives people money or heals people or helps other people do stuff probably is going to be worth playing. And any card that lets you fight something or try to get a clue by doing a test, probably you don't want to play it. Yeah, he also needs a lot of soak because you are not passing any treacheries effectively. Yeah. Like, you are, you are if yeah. you get hit with the Rotting Remains or Grasping Hands or whatever, you're just going to take one to three damage. Like, good luck, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, like, Hunter's Luckily, Armor Guardians for that reason. Luckily, have a lot of options for that. Yeah, Hunter's car- Armor was incredible in addition to Garish. Um, Hunter's Armor... Every time I drew my weakness, it was like, oh, great. This is just this is just a card for me because I did a Hex Drinker upgrade. So mm. every time it takes a horror, you tap it and then draw a card, right? Hallowed Mirror, obviously. The Obsidian Bangle or Bracelet or whatever I used for until I was able to get Girish and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the deck I did Arkham Knights, I, would, I went subclass Survivor. So I went full, leaned very hard into Blessed Tech nonsense. So that's, that's definitely an option when you go Survivor. Right. I think, uh, who, what, which, what subclass were you when you played it, Dana? I played Survivor because of exactly the same reason. Exactly the same reason. But Mystic has things like, uh, you know, he can get delves or, uh, or, uh, wards or, or stuff to deal with the encounter deck. He seems like the ideal person to play delves because he's just going to have actions to do it. So I feel like if I didn't have a strong reason to go another way, and I would probably not consider blessed tokens to qualify for that, I would probably go mystic just to be like, okay, I'll be the delver in the group, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely one really interesting Carson build that I haven't tried yet, but I saw and I remember building something pretty similar to it when when the set came out, hinging off of the card bestow resolve, uh, which effectively just changes... Uh, all of the icons on one card to all wilds. So if you have something like Inspiring Presence that has three different ones on it, it morphs them to all wilds. So instead of committing for one of some symbol, it commits for three. And this specific deck has a way to get 14 cards that have four wilds on them, technically. (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. with Mystic cards. It's with like all of the Desperate cards. In addition, you can run like Promise of Power and Occult Theories to get to this ridiculous threshold of boosting by four pretty much for every single test as long as you have Bestow Resolves out. So I think Bestow Resolve in that build with with Mystic cards is a very strong Carson build in terms of if you're going into like hard mode or something like that. Yeah, I remember that deck did seem pretty bonkers. So yeah. there's definitely definitely a lot of options for him. Whichever way you go, I think you can be useful in, in being a support and contributing. So 
contributing in yeah. by you know being a, a old man butler cheerleader basically so yeah. you also get to say as you wish as yeah. as said in the prince's bride many many times there you go yep. so for the for the movie that carson could star in um so ben ben i think sometimes takes a relatively literal view when we're choosing movies so ben was all in favor of choosing the movie the butler <laughs> But uh, I, I, I wanted to do Clue, which also stars the butler, but ne- neither one of these butlers lined Curry. up with Carson very well. I think I managed I managed to sway us over to Gosford Park, which is a really good Altman movie about a murder at a uh, you know fancy English manor that has a lot of uh, butlers and maidservants and manservants and valets and things of that nature. Very, very good movie. Definitely recommend people check it out. If, if, if you want to get a sense of what butlering would have been like, I think you can you can get a sense of it from that film. From the premise that you told me, it sounded like it was very much a proto-Knives Out sort of movie. So folks who like Knives Out would probably like that? Is that right? It's like an old school whodunit, right? Isn't it like a 1930s movie? So it... compared to Knives Out, it's uh, well, it came out in 2002, but it's set in the early 30s. Oh. oh. <laughs> compared to Knives Out, I would say it's less mystery-focused, although it does have a mystery in it, and it's more sort of about the characters and their relationships. I would sure. say it's two, two to three times better than Knives Out, and I like Knives Out. But, wow. uh, you know, le- ma- draw, draw your own conclusions, folks. Nice I definitely thought you said this movie was from, like, the 1930s. I was like, oh, Me too. Okay. So it's no, it's like a silent black and white movie about a butler. All right, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so fun, fun random fact. This is actually the movie that Downton Abbey is kind of like a spinoff of. Oh. They were going to make a TV show based on this movie. Um, cause I think, uh, what, what's her name? Maggie Smith is, is in this movie and she's mm. also in Downton Abbey mm. and, Dang uh, Maggie they Smith. ended up changing the character's names, but making like a similar style of show, but changing the, it, changing the tone of it to be a little bit more of like a soap opera kind of thing and setting it like a, 10 years earlier. So there, there's a connection between the two. Interesting. Well, why don't we move on to our seeker? Yeah, let's do it. So this is, uh, you know, see, seekers obviously are always, uh, are always, are always a great time. This, this guy is a little <laughs> bit of an unusual seeker though. So we have Vincent Lee, the doctor. So he has three willpower, four intellect, three combat, one agility. Um, he's a medic. Uh, he has a reaction after one of your card effects heals damage from an investigator or an investigator's ally asset. Add one of your set aside on the men skills to that investigator's hand. Um, elder sign effect plus one. You may heal one damage from an investigator or ally asset at your location. And he has nine health, six sanity. Um, for deck building, 30 cards. You get secret cards zero to three. So this is one of those sort of um, fin type situations where he doesn't sort of get all the cards from his own class. Neutral zero to five. Cards that heal damage zero to five. Up to 15 other guardian or and or survivor cards level zero to one. So very, very fin-like, I guess, right? Kind well, of this is the, the Carolyn deck building, right? Exactly. Kind, of a, kind of a mix of... No, no. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, well, Carolyn, doesn't Carolyn get zero to five, only not firearms or something for Guardian? I don't know. It's, it's similar yeah. to Carolyn. So his unique asset or his, his unique card, uh, signature card is called Bonesaw. It's a very terrifying card. Um, it's a hand asset, item tool melee, cost three, has intellect, combat, and wild icons on it. It says action fight. You get plus two for this attack. If it's successful, take one damage to deal plus one damage for this attack. An action, heal five damage from an investigator at your location. Oh, that sounds good. Test intellect four. If you fail, that investigator suffers one physical trauma, max once per game. Well, that's that's pretty that's pretty frightening. Except for the last scenario. The on the men cards that people get when you heal them are basically just unexpected courages. They're just skills with two question marks on them. Yeah. And then uh, his weakness is wounded bystander, which is an ally. Uh, it's a uh, health five. 
put it into play in your threat area with three damage on it or in your, your play area with three damage on it. It cannot leave play while it has damage unless it's defeated. If it has no damage, discard it. When you take non-direct damage, at least one of it must be assigned to wounded bystander if able. And if it's defeated, you suffer a mental trauma. So you kind of have to heal it up and save it or else if it, if it dies, you will take a mental trauma. So that's kind of, would be kind of bad if that happened considering he starts with uh, six sanity. He's your BFF. Got to keep him alive. So Ben played this. We did a we did a two player run through Cyclopean Foundations earlier, uh, which was very fun. And uh, I I played Mark Harrigan and Ben played Vincent, and it was a, it was a great team. It worked really well. Obviously the Mark's ability and the healing thing synced up really well. So I yeah, Vincent seems really good. What do, what do you guys think about Vincent? Yeah, I think he's uh, yeah I think he's strong. Uh, similar to Carolyn, he can. Uh... He can heal while also getting clues. Uh, he also can, he could fight theoretically if he was ever allowed to play Bonesaw, but sometimes, sometimes he's with a partner who's like really terrified of that being on the board. It's so. much, you know, it's much safer <laughs> if the, if the Bonesaw just doesn't even come out onto the table is, yeah. is how a lot of people, that's how a lot of people feel about it. Cause if you think about it, it's impossible for anyone to get a trauma from the Bonesaw if the Bonesaw <laughs> just gets committed, right? It's only if you play it that there's even the possibility of horrible trauma happening. <laughs> but then you can't quote Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, well, you no, you could. It just wouldn't be as appropriate, I guess. But sure, yeah, sure. I, I had a good time playing him. I I think I found that it was harder. Maybe it was just the team we were playing. It was harder for me to give you on the men's because there were mm-hmm. less there were less cards that were like passive healing uh, for you that for other people. But I, I mean, I did like bandages, which was pretty good. Um, you also, you also hated having cards in your hand because every time I gave you it on the mend, you had like, oh, I'm Mark, I have 17 cards already. I'm going to discard this. Like, okay, <laughs> well, that that, that was the thing. Mark already has a million cards in hand, and he doesn't he doesn't really need an extra unexpected courage that much because right. he kind of has a button yeah. that does unexpected courage. Right. Um, but I will say, I mean, having Vincent on the team did let Mark think about his dearly departed uh, life partner Sophie a lot more frequently, which just made Mark even more busted. So that was that was cool. Yeah. Cool. I, I do think, well, okay, so let's compare Vincent to Carolyn just briefly. I would say that there are somewhat more ways in the game to, like, incidentally take horror for doing something and get a benefit out of it than mm. damage, maybe? Like, it, it's kind of borderline now, but for damage, you mostly think about Mark, and for horror, I feel like there's just a lot of other cards out there that you can kind of benefit from. Is that sort of right? A lot, a lot of the mystic cards uh, do horror. Like, this, like, uh, you know... Fruit of Knowledge, yeah. Agnes by herself. I guess Parallel Agnes takes damage, but... Parallel Agnes is the other really, really good pairing. Vin- Vincent and Parallel Agnes would be good. But on the other hand, so, if you know, Carolyn basically gives someone a resource when she heals their, their sanity. Vincent basically gives people an unexpected courage, like a one-use unexpected courage. That wasn't super great for Mark in this in this team, but it it might be pretty strong. It, like, it, on, in a lot of situations, like hard mode, it might be better than getting a resource, right? Uh, yeah potentially yeah. i i also think vincent benefited a lot from healing himself and having the unexpected courage because that's kind of what enabled vincent to pass tests well that's <laughs> the thing is is your your main yeah you also had the dream diary see mm. your main healing engine was was jessica right and and we used we used um solemn vow like it like mm. kind of instead of much like we would do with with carolyn and peter like instead of you healing mark mostly we were just using solemn vow to shove the damage onto jessica and then you always had on the mend mm-hmm. yeah yeah um which i guess that's kind of a weakness with vincent is he does have like a his stat line's okay i mean he's four int still it's still still good for clues but that can make it harder to pass uh higher level tests as well as like on hard mode um yeah you know, that, that's that's 
that's not going to cut it by itself. So he really does need card support to like to boost his stats either or either through money like i mean he could do like higher education or whatever but because he already has an engine for giving himself unexpected courages i think i leaned more into to skill card stuff like dream diary and uh grizzly totem i do yeah i do wish his stat line was a little different because he has like i, I never like to see a three in combat or intellect right a three just always feels like not quite good enough to really do it but sort of high enough that it's like, could we reallocate those points somewhere? Like, cause I think the idea with him is, especially if you're in a smaller group, you can drop the bone saw and do a little bit of fighting. Mm. But I mean, he's only at a three, like he's not going to be super good at it. Well, right. He mm. has access to guardian survivor, uh, some survivor cards. So he can yeah pull some stuff from there, like get actual weapons if he wanted or get boosts. Um, and he could, he get a little bit of boost out of, of guardian, but yeah, it, it is harder yeah. out of the gate for him to be a, a, a you know, main primary fighter. So yeah, I ran him through Scarlet Keys with Carolyn as the primary fighter. <laughs> okay, did it? <laughs> and did it go? It went really well. Uh, he okay. was very, very fun to play. So Runic Axe is one of the customizable cards, and if you upgrade into the thing that heals damage or horror when you kill things, mm. you can get upgrade it to level five. So that's what I wanted to do. So I okay. I went with like a fully geared up runic axe i figured you're already going to get jess fantastic synergy there i ran bandages with surgical kit which was fantastic because every time you heal a damage you'd heal two instead so it's like you know accruing that value passively and uh things like scientific theory and mind over matter level two like just played out really well and i used practice makes perfects with vicious blows overpowers and plans of actions to get like the stat boost but it was definitely cool. not something that I would take into hard mode or expert because of that exact reason. Like starting with a three yeah. is rough and in normal, it, it's pretty fine. Okay to do that. Okay. But in higher difficulties, it was like, it, I don't see that working as well as it did. It, does, it sounds it sounds like a really fun deck for standard though. It was quite fun. <laughs> so, so would you say like with Carolyn, I think we would say her role is like a mix of clues and support. It almost sounds like with Vincent, you do like a mix of support and sort of either clues or fighting or, or maybe a little bit of all three. I don't know. Yeah. I think definitely okay. more reliable on the clue front in terms of like going into hard and expert probably. But yeah. Yeah. If you're playing on hard, maybe you go for more like support and clues or something. Yeah, Kaylin yeah. doesn't really have a strong combat option. I mean, I guess she could do something with mystic uh, spells or something, but it's it's harder harder for her to get yeah. online. I think we should also briefly mention for uh, for strengths secret cards. Obviously, it's boring, right. but you got to say it. Yeah, <laughs> is his weakness? His weakness mostly seemed to not matter very much when we were I, when I when I was playing with Ben. Yeah, they, it's kind of because they provided a card that's a level zero card that instantly heals his weakness. <laughs> uh, the name I'm forgetting, but it's it's one of the you drop a clue and you heal. Fu- Bizarre heal diagnosis. Bizarre diagnosis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the cooler but names. You, you mostly didn't even really care about that though. Yeah, and also because he has access to like bandages um, and other other soak things, like even Jessica, I believe. When a bystander only takes the. Uh, oh no, no, sorry. Whenever you take you take non-direct damage, you have to put it on, so you can't put it on Jessica. But you have enough like passive healing that you can like keep it like half alive, and it probably won't die. <laughs> yeah, it, right. it's it seemed like it wasn't, and and the absolute worst case, like okay, so you don't want to take a mental trauma off of it, but if that happens like once over the course of the game, mm-hmm. it's probably not the end of the world. Not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Okay. So any other weaknesses for for Vincent? I mean, I think just I think sort of just like having. Again, if you're trying to play like a really optimized group for like hard or expert, I think just not having a five in anything is like sort of a weakness and not having level five secret cards is maybe like a little bit of a weakness. It's not that bad. 
Yeah, it feels like maybe if you were doing that, you'd want him to be more of like a secondary cluer, like support kind of, like healing all the damage and horror off the minus five you're inevitably going to draw and stuff like that, and then sort of picking up some clues where he can. I think you could definitely play him on hard in like Forgotten Age or Scarlet Keys, where there seems to be a lot of damage flying around. Hmm. Like, I I think you'll find occasions to use where his ability will be good, right? Yeah, yeah. Always have a doctor in the jungle. By giving everyone else on the mens, like those are good and hard, right? So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Free on the mens almost every turn if you're using bandages and stuff like that is great. We should probably mention that he has one agility, right? That is that is a weakness. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, is technically his Achilles heel. The thing is, I guess agility tests often deal damage as a penalty. There's definitely other right. penalties, but it kind of balances out there because he like, has a ways to heal himself. But there's sometimes encounter cards that are like, uh, that, that aren't damaged and it's like discard cards or, or lose resources or whatever if you fail agility tests. And right. And see, he wants to pass it, he's got to commit a bunch or just accept that he's going to fail agility tests. <laughs> yeah. That sounds right. Favorite cards for Vincent? We've talked about a lot of them, like Jessica, yeah. bandages, basically the, the good damage healing cards. Mm-hmm. Passive damage healing cards, right? And just secret cards in general, your classic pathfinders and shortcuts and crack the cases. Like, obviously, play crack mm-hmm. the case. Even if you're not getting clues, you're just going to be able to do it. So, right. Any other uh, really, really top notch Vincent cards? I think uh, I think we already mentioned them all. Surgical yeah, kit. we did. Surgical oh, kit's Surgical fun. Kid. Yeah, Surgical Kid's fantastic. So, for, for a movie for Vincent, we chose, I think, probably Ben's favorite movie of all time, is, is, is my guess. <laughs> A movie that Ben has been wanting to choose for basically every investigator for, for years now, and he finally gets his chance. Ben, I don't think that's correct, Dan. Ben, tell, tell us about the greatest movie ever made, in your opinion, <laughs> that we chose for Vincent. So uh, we were trying to find a movie that's about a doctor that like deals with occult stuff. And there was there was one movie that we could think of, uh, and it's, it's yeah. uh, the, the MCU, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's uh, a movie starring... Um, don't I don't remember his name. Bumber Bumber Benedict the, guy, the guy from Sherlock. Smaug uh, himself. Yeah, Smaug himself, uh Doctor Strange, <laughs> which is about an arrogant doctor guy who uh has to deal with magic nonsense. Which I guess Vincent Lee does actually know actual magic, but he is a doctor guy that deals with occult uh nonsense through the cult through uh through the game. So uh I guess we couldn't think of a single other movie that started an arrogant doctor. Is Vincent Lee even arrogant? I don't know. I did see this movie in the theater. I, I mentioned earlier that Ben sometimes wants to go a little bit literal with these. Vincent Lee is a strange doctor, right? So it you know kind of kind of makes sense. <laughs> it can make some bizarre right. diagnoses from time to time. And that that movie has some has some fun weird graphical effects. You know, got hands on hands and hands on hands. You know, some of that stuff was interesting. Yeah. I criminal criminal misuse of um, Mads Mikkelsen just really really didn't <laughs> yeah. give him anything interesting oh, to do. Oh yeah, pretty I pretty he's sad. In that movie, it's true. Yeah, but, and and Tilda Swinton for that matter, but whatever. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not the only MCU movie that just like you know gets one of the best actors in the world and then just doesn't really do anything with them. So you, it's kind of par for the course. Uh, <laughs> right. um, any anything else to say about Vincent, or should we move on? No, I think he's a he's a good time, good fun, All right? Yeah, yeah, good time. Yeah. So Rogue in Scarlet Keys is Kaimani Jones. They are a cons- uh, security consultant. Uh, they have. Uh, three will, two intellect, two combat, and five agility. They're a criminal. Their ability is fast action. Engage an exhausted enemy at your location. Seems bad. Well, also as a uh, reaction, when you attempt to evade an exhausted non-elite enemy, add your int uh, to your skill value for this attempt. If you succeed by at least X, discard that enemy. X is that enemy's remaining health. 
And then Elder Sign Effect plus one. If there's an exhausted enemy allocation, you automatically succeed instead, which is kind of meh. Uh, eight health, six sanity. Their deck building options, rogue cards level zero to five, tool cards level zero to four, neutral cards level zero to five, and then they begin the game with five additional bonus experience, sort of like Parallel Roland and Mateo. Uh, do you want to talk about their signature cards quick? Yeah, so their signature card is a Grappling Hook. Uh, it is an item and a tool. It takes up a hand slot. It costs three to play. It has an intellect, an agility, and a wild symbol on it. And it says, action performed uh, using Grappling Hook do not provoke attacks of opportunity. And then as a double action, exhaust Grappling Hook, take up to three different basic actions from the following list in any order. Engage, evade, investigate, or move. If you investigate, use your agility instead of your intellect. And then their weakness is called Agent Fletcher. Uh, It is a humanoid coterie detective who has two fight, three health, three evade, does one damage and one horror, has alert and hunter, uh, prey Kaimoni Jones only. While Kaimoni Jones is evading, Agent Fletcher reduce their intellect value to zero. So yeah. Mm. Kaimoni's been really interesting as the rogue entry. I immediately see five sweet sweet experience and you know want to immediately play them (laughs) and uh you know they got a five and a stat which is good they're the rogues one of the rogues with the highest will which was pretty shocking and exciting for people to see yeah and the ability to delete enemies is really cool and really interesting very different sort of like a waylay effect yeah, it is really interesting that they have the same five bonus XP as Mateo, but they seem to not have, uh, I want to be sensitive about this, they seem to not suck quite as hard at Mateo in every other way. So that's <laughs> wow. kind of interesting. At least, at least not out of the gate. Mateo's, yeah. Mateo's got a little bit be- got better. They, they, yeah. There's been a oh, lot yeah. more cards out Mateo's of the pool that he can no. grab. But I mean, like, like if Mateo had like five willpower, we'd be having a different conversation about Mateo. <laughs> Kamani has a five in agility, that's, right? That so true. that's like, that's that's a big difference. Yeah, the... Kamani uh, is they're definitely interesting um they have a kind of an, a way to deal with enemies and actually get them off the board that we haven't seen before like obviously there's people that kind of be able to evade before and maybe like could play waylay or or whatever but like right. most, most of the time evading does not get an enemy off the board it just kind of delays it for a turn or makes although you... as as has often been coming up when we're when we've been playing cards like exploit we uh exploit whatever it is and waylay <laughs> in scarlet keys if you discard an enemy that has victory on it you mm-hmm. do not get the victory it does not go to the right. victory display yeah that so it, most of the time that doesn't matter because there's a lot of correlation between get having victory and being elite but you will be very annoyed right. by that weird rules quirk yeah when you're playing so, sometimes i mean yeah, strengths is they can deal with enemies that they by just through evading and using their evasion but a weakness is they can't deal with victory enemies in a way that can see the victory, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Without having to like pack a bunch of other stuff into their into their deck that that doesn't synergize as well with their ability. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, you, you could play you could play the bow or the uh, the the hyperphysical shot caster or something mm. and be able to fight stuff, but which, it, it, it might not be the best fit with with what the other stuff they're doing. Yeah, which is which is good as like a I mean, there's not that many uh, victory or lead enemies, but. So before before we even talk about strengths and weaknesses, what what role does Kimani play exactly? Because, I mean, certainly they can evade stuff, right? But we usually yeah. don't think of that as being a role in and of itself. Like, <laughs> is there is their ability to kind of you know poof things away? Is that good enough that Kimani can be your primary enemy handler, or can can Kimani do like a half of enemy handling and get some clues, even though they only have two agility like or two intellect? Like, what are we what are we talking about here? 
I think they're like a, a very strong like secondary enemy handler because they can deal with anything that's not again not elite basically or not mm. uh not victory if if you care about victory I mean there's I guess you if you're not as worried about the victory you can just evade if stuff, you care about but... victory come on like what I mean I guess if it's the last scenario for the game. <laughs> Ro- rogues do kind of care about victory because all of their good well, cards yeah. <laughs> are a come lot on. they're very expensive so it's hard for them there to be the enemy handler. Uh, we mentioned they could add cards to their deck that like let them deal with it, but it doesn't really synergize with their ability too much or their stats. So that makes it a little bit, a little bit harder, a little bit harder uh, sell. They can also they have access to all the tool cards, which a lot of those are helpful for fighting or helpful for getting clues. Um, but also, was this the one where a lot of the tools were also no, no that's Amina with with Bistics and Charms. No, we're no, not there they, yet. We're almost there. There's there's tools that are like seeker and ro- and uh, oh, survivor yeah. that they can pull in, which which can make. Importantly, they also only have two hands, right? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, that's what's that's what seems kind of weird about this is like, suppose you want to play the grappling hook, you maybe also want to play like lock picks or something to get clues. Maybe you want to play some kind of weapon or something to fight stuff. Hmm. You're gonna run out of hand slots pretty fast, I think, right? Like, is yeah. is that considered a flaw for for Kimani, or does that not matter as much? The grappling hook, I wasn't too impressed with when when in the, the one we did. They ended up using other tools. It seems fun. Like it seems like it seems like a fun mini game to try to use it correctly each turn. But yeah, I'm not sure how great it is. It's rough because it's it only lets you take basic actions, right? And they all have to be different mm. ones. So that oh, that man, can be yeah. pretty tough. I mean, they could do like an engage, evade, move combo pretty easily, or, or get investigate oh, man. in there. But yeah, no, I mean, but like that's the thing is you never want to do a basic investigate with Kamani, right? I mean, maybe if you have a lot of setup going on, but. Here for the grappling hook, it lets you replace. Let's use your agility for that investigation. Oh, okay, that's yeah, the that's, big that's thing. True. That's yes. But it wouldn't let you like trigger a tool that um, you know, okay. give you a bonus or whatever. Which well, but that but that makes sense. So maybe you don't need lock picks as much. You know, maybe you kind mm. of well, you, right. you play one in case you don't draw the grappling hook. But like you're kind of okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, Kamani has been consistently good at like running interference and like sort of picking up enemies and deleting them and then flying off with their grappling hook and picking up a clue here or there. They've been incredible at doing that, and it looks very, very fun. I'm really annoyed that you have to exhaust the grappling hook when you use it, because I feel like it would be incredibly fun to play Leo and do, like, double grappling hook turns. Mm. Too bad you can't do that. Yeah, Yeah. I don't think there's a way you can do that. No, you're right. Not really. I mean, maybe some really bizarre way, but... Well, okay, so, so, so strengths for Kimani, like great at evading stuff and and again the ability to kind of like just make stuff go away by evading it twice that's not always going to be great you're not going to want to use it on victory enemies some things are really hard to evade or whatever but like there's going to be times and it is you know it is two actions to get rid of something whereas if you just shoot something and commit a vicious blow maybe you could just kill in one hit but there's definitely cases where this is like a pretty good way to handle stuff so that's Mm -hmm. a strength and and I feel like uh you know just having five in agility like we we sometimes say it's like the worst stat but there's a lot you can do with it these days like having it, a five in it is pretty good. There's a lot of ways yeah. to use your agility now in the rogue cult uh, card pool to yes. invest get clues or to fight. So in, in old yeah. in old olden times of the ancient ancient past there wasn't as many options <laughs> so it was like eh, the forgotten and that's it. But now that now these days there's definitely way more things to do. Oh yeah. A lot of tricks and a lot of tools, right? You got mm-hmm. lockpicks, you've got thieves kit, you've got uh, pilfers, so many different things that are converting uh, agility over that it's just super, super useful for them. And honestly, like we already mentioned, having a three willpower is, I mean, again, like for, for a rogue, that's pretty good, right? That's like almost <laughs> right? unheard of. So, yeah. um, they can actually drink booze and then <laughs> maybe just stop a, you know, 
I mean, it's almost you almost don't need it because you can just you handle this one everything. But yeah, that's nice. Right. You, know, you could you could probably make it. Make it's it something you, you could pass test occasionally. And the yeah. the two two and in, int and combat is normally like uh, that's why not just make it a one type of situation. But because right, yeah. they're in rogue and they have a bunch of things that's like oh add this to your agility, mm-hmm. it's kind of like oh okay that's like a plus two when I use these cards. So that's that's like fine. Yeah, like like yeah. you'd actually maybe want to play like Lola Santiago because it would mm-hmm. boost it would boost your agility and you could use it and it would also boost you. the intellect would matter when you're mm-hmm. doing the like poof evade thing the second oh, yeah. evade yeah yeah so. Oh, yeah. There are also, I, I, there's a lot of just cool, interesting stuff you can do with that free action to, with the free lightning bolt to engage an exhausted enemy or location. Like, it, there are times where you want to, like, evade something and then drag it somewhere. It's kind of interesting that you can do that with Kimani basically for free. Yes. And there are, there, it, that might just unlock some, like, weird combos and things you can do. So they, I guess they, they can't play ex, uh, exploit, is it exploit weakness? I can't remember the name of their yes. exploit. But, like, they can't play that, but that sort of thing where you kind of, like, want to evade something twice for some reason like they, mm. that just unlocks some weird possibilities yeah they can deal with a weird amount of enemies in a great way right like there's like apex strangle vine and like basilisks that have like four to six health that are not technically elite but just deleting right. them for one to two actions is super helpful for a team yeah the, the like strangle vine the especially is like that's like the perfect thing Ugh, to use yeah. Kimani's ability on yeah totally should we talk about favorite cards? We, we've talked about a bunch, but it's sort of like ways to use the agility, standard good rogue things like Leo yeah. or Faustine Bargain, things like that. Any, anything else that's like particularly good for Kimani? Yeah. Stealth, right? Stealth 2 yes. is very good. That for Stealth 3 is their card. Or Stealth 3. Right. It was made for them. It gives them an extra way to evade every turn for free and mm-hmm. at, a reduced, at reduced difficulty uh very good huge oh and so, so pickpock pickpocketing too also right uh yeah pickpocketing yes. too is obviously very good for for generating generating money the, the, the whole trick suite can be good for them too like all the cards mm-hmm. that like add your agility to do something and if you pass by enough you get stuff back and if you do want to fight stuff like if you're in a two-player group or something then maybe maybe the shot caster because mm. like that's sort of a, an easy way to sure. leverage your agility to do stuff right totally yeah. yeah. The other thing, like you were saying that they might run out of hands uh, mm. and or accessory slots. Hidden Pocket, I'll take that, is mm. something that is available for rogues now, which means that you can get two cigarette cases down at once pretty easily if you uh, got okay. like, you know, a trench coat or something down. I'll take that. Let's you like convert something into an illicit card and Hidden mm-hmm. Pocket like can hold illicit cards. So I think yeah. that's what... Kim was running that mm-hmm. in our Arkham, uh, our Arkham Knights run, so she was able to hold like some the the multi tool and the shot caster and like the grappling hook or whatever at the same yep. time. Isn't oh, yeah. there some new like tool belt thing that lets you sort of like swap hand things in and out? Yeah, that she also yeah. had a tool belt. <laughs> it seemed it seemed kind of clunky, but like you might be, rogues it, don't need that. It, yeah, it, it, this they just got like, all if the were, it's, If you were going to play that card, this is maybe the kind of deck you would try to. Yeah. You need something to put the hidden pocket on, so you need clothing armor. Sure. So you can use like trench coat or or leather yeah. leather jacket but, or whatever leather coat. Okay, there's different options. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other any other special cards for Kimani? Uh, just there's different. I think they can work with uh, like a, a bunch of different rogue suites, but I think the stealth the stealth three is mentioned already. Pickpocketing are like pretty pretty important. So yep. yeah, Kimani feels the most like a mystic than any other any other investigator has ever felt because they care so much about their agility over everything mm-hmm. else and and rogues are sort of in a weird place now where they can actually start doing that with like you know a suite of lock picks and uh 
thieves kits and pilfers and things like that they can make their agility go the distance and it's also a defensive stat right so it's not yeah bad. okay that makes sense so for the movie that we picked for kimani so their whole deal is that they are a they're secretly a thief that steals stuff but with the aim of returning priceless artifacts to their rifle owners uh, which which is cool so we chose um because we've already picked the other two indiana jones movies for for other other characters we picked temple of doom because uh you know the whole hey. thing indy's trying to do in that movie is to return the sankara stones to the to the village from which they were stolen so pretty pretty great movie and uh yeah kind of a kind of a good fit for kamani i assume there had to be a movie where like somebody like robs a museum to like return the artifacts back to their owners but we failed to find one well you love marvel movies can you remember the marvel movie where that sort of happened at the beginning come on ben marvel is there a height <laughs> is there ant is ant-man do a heist or something black panther oh yeah yeah that's true there's also several jackie chan movies that are kind of about this Garrett they're, they're mostly Jones, not black good, panther so, now yeah, so we know we, 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 we pick we pick temple of doom come on <laughs> it's a good movie <laughs> let's move on to our next investigator all right, that means it's mystic time. It's for time for Amina Zidane. I don't I think it's how you say her last name. I should look this up ahead of time. Uh, but yeah, she's uh, she's the operator. She's a new to a new to Arkham investigator. As was as was Kimani. Uh, she has uh, threes in all her stats. Hmm. Uh, she's chosen and cursed. Her ability is reaction when you play an asset, reduce its resource cost by three, and enters play with one doom on it. Limit once per round. Uh, Elder Sign effect plus two. You may move all Doom from a card you uh, at your location to another card at your location. Deck building is uh, deck size thirty. I think all these guys are deck size thirty, right? Um, Mystic cards zero to five, neutral zero to five, and Charm cards zero to four. Her deck building is she has Word of Woe and Word of Wheel and Deafening Silence as her weakness, plus the usual random basic weakness. So Word of Woe and Word of Wheel are, are like a pair of events that kind of play off of each other. Uh, Word of Woe is uh, cost two. It's fast. You play it on only in your turn. You can place a Doom on an asset you control to resolve an action ability on it, ignoring all costs, including the action cost. Uh, then if World of Wheel is your, in your discard pile, you can shuffle it back in your deck. And Word of Wheel is uh, cost zero. Uh, fast when you play when you perform a skill test on an asset with one or more Doom on it. Add your will to your skill test value for this test. And then if Word of Woe is in your discard pile, shuffle it back in. So like when you play one, you can kind of get the other one back in your deck. Uh, and then Deathling Silence says, move one Doom from an asset you control to current agenda. That sounds very bad. Uh, this may cause the current agenda to advance. Oh, that is bad. If no Doom is moved, shuffle it back, Deathling Silence back into your deck. Oh, and there's some spooky uh, text on the bottom that's impossible to read. <laughs> Hmm. yeah uh <laughs> this is this is the toughest one i think uh for us to 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 crack into here uh i and also the one i think we have the least experience on as a group i played her in fortune of folly at arkham knights uh and she, she was okay Did, have either of you done anything with her yet <laughs> i gotta be honest when i see the all three when i see the jenny stat line I turn around and I run in the other direction. Like this is, I just, this is not where you want to be folks. I'm sorry. Especially on a mystic, right? Like mystics need one stat. The best mystic stat line would be like eight, one, one, one. Like that would be <laughs> literally the best mystic stat you could possibly have. Like, like five, one, one, one would be better than this stat line. 
This is tough for a lot of reasons. I know, so I guess somebody who has a similar stat line would be Diana, right? Who starts with one three three three, and can eventually get up to, you know, like six or whatever. But like, this is such an odd place to be. And as far as I can tell, they can sort of operate as a mystic. Eventually, once you upgrade your spells enough, you get, uh, you know, the inherent plus bonus to will. So it's not that big of a deal. You have, uh, you know, rosaries and stuff to like help boost your will Mm -hmm. there too. But I also don't have much experience with Amina. I tried really hard to make decks for her and got frustrated and threw it away. Her idea is that she can play with Doom, which we've seen before with like Marie and and, and a little bit you know, all the, like, these mystic cards that deal with Doom. So she's supposed to be able to be able to benefit from, like, moving Doom around and, and uh, triggering stuff. The thing is, before this expansion, there was there wasn't very many cards that had Doom on them that also had an action ability, which right. uh, is important mm-hmm. for her, her event cards to be able to, to trigger off. And the new ones don't, don't, they don't really seem good enough to, like, amazing enough to kind of really motivate you to play Amina, kind of? Yeah, that's, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're weird, because they, they give action compression, but it's not action compression that you necessarily like as much, like, it's the fight card, like, I don't remember, to offer it's also just like, cards like, move and fight, or engage and, and fight and do one damage, but. And having, having Doom on your stuff, look, we play Arcane Initiate a lot, we play David Renfield a lot, like, we're comfortable with it, if you're getting a payoff that's worth it, right? And especially those are allies, so they're kind of easier to kill if things do go wrong and you're about to advance. You can sort of, there's usually ways to like quickly let them die. But I mean, having Doom on your stuff is a pretty big liability, especially if it's on an asset that doesn't have health and sanity that you can sort of easily kill it that way, right? Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like, like when you look at her ability, okay, so saving three bucks to play an asset is sort of good, but like, what if you just have enough money? Like, what if you you can get money other ways? You know, you could be Dexter and you could play Faustian bargains and stuff like that. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, one of her pros is she can. She's not really worried about resources for playing assets. She exactly. Assets yes. Out. Yeah, that um, that's fair. She needs zero resource cards yeah. in her deck. She can so that, I mean, literally that's definitely just good. Which play off because that. I think Mystics still mostly struggle with resources i want to say that but so so mystics <laughs> tend to mystics have like a high floor in terms of how much money they need because they have to play assets that are mm-hmm. kind of pricey but they right. don't really have any like money sinks they don't have anything like you know streetwise or higher ed that they can just dump money into right. so like once once you have enough money to play your stuff as a mystic you really don't need more you can't really do anything with it which when when i was playing her i was like man i really wish i had a money sink <laughs> you wish blood pact worked yeah like i was like uh, can i have a yeah. money version of blood pact please i mean there's the uh like the composure cards but that's the one um, yeah yeah that's yeah. the one that i would consider playing yeah. with her totally so we're kind of talking mostly about weaknesses do we want to focus on our strengths and roll first Let, let's enumerate some flaws for me <laughs> and let's and let's be let's be uh you know reasonable but unsparing here so the stat line isn't great yeah you don't really want threes and everything, right? Yeah, like, it's it's okay. Like having threes and defensive stats is kind of okay, right? Like like it's better than a two or a one. But like, one of those defensive stats is an offensive stat for Mystics. It's it's kind of rough. <laughs> exactly. It's, yes. it's kind of rough in Jenny, but at least with Jenny, you can say like, okay, well, she's gonna like spend a lot of money to boost them and things. I'm gonna do like a fun solo Jenny deck. With right. Amina, like she's just in the class where you really just want crazy will and nothing else, right? You know? um, yeah, yeah. I. I think also, so it, it, we haven't mentioned this yet, but her weakness card is very, very bad. Oh, it's 
it's yes. kind of like in ancient evils that like it it just keeps getting shuffled back if it if you don't have doom on your assets like eventually it's probably going to give you an extra doom yes it'll continue to whiff if you're not playing with doom on the board uh amina what are you doesn't doing with do anything amina, right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. exactly yes like like even yeah. like Ag- agnes's ability agnes's weakness in the worst case might give you a doom and we we've said that's like a, a big downside for agnes oh yeah her, but, her weakness you is can, awful it is very bad but you can often play around it and you can even benefit from it in some corner cases mm-hmm. right and survivor allows you ways to mitigate it yeah and and with agnes like you get really powerful abilities and great stats to compensate for that really bad and card pool to compensate for that weakness with yeah. amina it's like it's strange that like marie is the other investigator that kind of plays around with doom and right. with marie it was sort of like well she has this powerful ability involving doom but then she has this really bad weakness baron Samedi. and amina somehow has kind of like a worse version of the ability and a worse <laughs> an even worse version of the weakness kind of yes i think yeah. the only pro about the weakness is that it's great art by adam s doyle that's it. Yeah, I, that is really good. I do like well, the headphones. All Admestal art is yeah, great. So that, that is pretty solid. Fair. Like, like I don't want to be like crazy negative here, but like I'm just not really seeing a lot of upside. Yeah, she's a she's a hard sell. I I think her card pool also doesn't help her much because she has she has Mystic cards and charms, and there's very few charms outside of Mystic. It's also really funny yeah. that she only gets up to level four charms. Like if they printed a really good <laughs> level five guardian charm, be like, nope, sorry, can't can't play it. It's sort of the Ursula thing. Ursula has zero to five seeker and then zero to four relics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For whatever reason, yeah. they don't want her to have the level five relics, but also because they're too powerful. But also charms, like, come on, there's not nearly as many charms, right? <laughs> I think so. The issue with 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 Doom and Amina is that. So rogues and mystics have always been like the risk classes, right? Where where rogues are basing their playstyle on really high uh, high value plays at the risk of a lot of like skill cards being dumped into the bin for with you know no potential upside if you auto fail or something, right? Sure. That yeah. is only taking away from that rogue's ability to, to contribute, whereas doom is affecting everybody regardless of everybody wants that to affect everybody or not amina playing something for three cheaper is effectively saying you know in a four-player team we have everybody has three less actions potentially and that's Mm -hmm. like very scary like you need a good good reason or a good compensation to be threatening your team that way so that's how i think of it and i feel like amina's like if she had fours in all her stats i'd be like all right right it's getting good but you know what about in solo is she any good in solo like three threes and all stats I imagine she wouldn't be that bad in solo doesn't care about money so she can play stuff more easily right. is that uh is that anything <laughs> if you pointed a hyper physical shot caster at my head and said i had to play Nina in a campaign <laughs> i would want to play like an easy solo uh campaign and mm-hmm. I would... you know the funny thing is you wouldn't even play a hyper physical shot caster because all no, the stats are threes yeah you, you certainly wouldn't and i would still be miserable the whole time even having to do that so yeah, roll like, I mean, I guess kind of hybrid like most mystics, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, could kind of do anything really. Any favorite cards that we haven't already mentioned? I mean, the the suite of charm cards that comes in the Scarlet Keys do, does somewhat work with her. It's just they don't have the action compression that I like, but they do right. let yeah. you do tests. They they give boost if they have Doom on them. They give a boost to whatever test you do it with, and you, so you can still use combat or. Or intellect or whatever, and and you get yeah. a little boost on that. Um, there's a there are a couple more doom cards that were added in the expansion. 
Sin Eater is a way to suck up Doom. Mm. Um, Ellie. Fantastic card. I don't El- remember. Oh, yeah. Ellie remember Rub- the last Rubash. name. Ellie. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, new, the new ally lets you like yeah. attach cards to her, and you get a bonus when you use th- that have Doom on them, and you get to ignore one Doom on the card. And I think you yeah. have skill, a skill bonus when you use the effects on it. Does that count for the purpose of deafening silence or is it still on there for the purpose of that uh it definitely counts it definitely that. is you, can, <laughs> it, it, you ignore it for like when you check the yeah. deck or something it's yeah. really um, bad yeah the one charm card that uh isn't in mystic is the dream diary is a charm right okay. yeah there's a few so, others there's like nightmare bubble and other things that are pretty relevant but I meant good. I meant good cards. That uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, wow! No, never. Marvel's Nightmare Bottle's fine as like a late stage when you want to. Ben, Ben, I wish that. I could high five you right now from across the country, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't, doesn't work that but, way. But yeah, Dream Diaries is a way to help her boost her stats pretty easily. Um, you know, getting a getting a skill card every round that uh, yeah that you, that you can boost yourself is helpful. So. She has options. I, I maybe in the future we'll get more charm cards outside of Mystic, similar to like Mateo got new blessed cards and um, Rita's solely getting more tricks. Uh, I don't know what Rita's level is at this point, but <laughs> so maybe in an expansion or two we can look back at her and she's like, oh, here's a cool combo that really makes her pop off or whatever. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Last thing to say, if you if you think you've you've made like an Amina deck that's actually like really dope in like a hard mode run or something like that, I mean, but yeah, put, send us a comment. Like, tell us about it. I would I would be really curious to see. Please that, do. Because yeah, I Please think you, do. you you would you would have to come up with some like really creative possibility that that we're not seeing, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. 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 Um. What what movie did we pick for Amina? Yeah. So we picked a movie. Uh, came out a little while ago called Vast of Night. Uh, which is a very interesting sort of spooky movie that's based in the 1950s about a uh, switchboard operator. What I mean, it does. Uh, and a DJ, like a radio DJ, who sort of like have this weird audio frequency that's coming through this small town somewhere in the Midwest. And uh, it gets spooky as they sort of try to unravel what this frequency is saying or trying to, you know, convey to them. And it's spooky and you know, maybe uh, spooky aliens are involved in some way or horrors are involved in another way. Um, and it's very, very well done. It's a debut directing by Andrew Patterson. It's like a really low budget indie movie, right? Yeah. And there's a yeah. lot of really good cinematography, really good character building. Probably not as low budget as Don't Let the River Beast Get You, but certainly, certainly <laughs> it's still, still pretty low. Yeah, I, I heard about this. I haven't seen it yet, but I definitely want to. I've heard really good things about it. Damn, it's a great movie. Very stylistic. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I'm surprised you haven't gotten Don't Let the Herbies Get You or one of the other films in that series on this list yet. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's... Uh, we have we had a whole separate podcast about we'll, that. So. That'll be Hanks. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know, maybe. Okay. Anything else about Amina or should we move on to our next investigator? Let's move on. Let's move on to the next investigator. All right. Maybe, maybe the most hype. Yeah, I mean, this is really, I think this is really the investigator that really has turned the Survivor class around and really revitalized it, um, really, really brought Survivor up to the big leagues. So this is Daryl Simmons, the photographer, the, who's the Survivor in this box. His stat line, wow, what a, that was a pretty good stat line. He's got two willpower, five intellects, uh, two combat, three agility. He's a reporter. <laughs> um, you begin the game with Daryl's Kodak in play. Free trigger during a skill test at your location. Spend one evidence from an asset you control. Reduce the difficulty of this test by two. Limit once per test. Elder sign plus one. Place an evidence on an asset you control. He's got uh, six health and eight sanity. 
for deck building, 30 cards, survivor 0 to 5, seeker 0 to 2, ooh, okay, uh, neutral 0 to 5, and then, uh, so Daryl's Kodak, his signature uh, card, is a two-cost asset with um, an intellect agility and a wild icon. It's an item and a tool. And it says, uh, so after an enemy or treachery enters play, exhaust Daryl's Kodak, place a resource from the token pool on it as evidence. And reaction, after you discover any number of clues, move that many evidence on enemies or treasuries at that location or not at any location to Daryl's Kodak. It's pretty complicated. It's basically like when something comes into play once per turn, you can put a token on it. And then if you happen to get a clue on a, the location that that card is, you can sort of slurp up that evidence and add it to one of your evidence cards. So it's like a way to get more evidence. And it's nice that it starts in play. So it's not like you actually have to, you know, pay for it and play Dig it. Dig it out. His, yeah. his weakness is called ruined film. It's a blunder, Ugh, classic blunder. <laughs> Revelation, remove four evidence from cards you control. For each evidence you can't remove this way, take one horror. I played Daryl in our Innsmouth run at Arkham Knights. I think all three of us have played Daryl in a campaign, right? Yeah, I've also played Daryl. I played him in a uh, sandal. I played Daryl for the campaign I did with Harrison. Was it Alice in Wonderland? Yeah. Before we even talk about mechanical strengths, I just have to say this is a sharp looking suit and hat combination in the art. Like that this is this is a well dressed man with a cool camera. Like I, I love the classic old cameras that have like the kind of accordion thing and like the one use light bulb and the giant. Oh cup. sure, yeah, that's, yeah. That's just awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we spoiled Daryl, right? We did when, when yeah. he oh, first yeah. came out. Yeah, was a was a grand old time. So I guess we may have talked about him already a bit, but which, uh, which was great. So yeah. so what are what are what are Daryl's strengths? What aren't Daryl's strengths? I guess Scott, he's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Like, what what doesn't he do? I think the stat line, the access to seeker cards, and the pretty good ability to me are like the mm-hmm. main ones. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's got a lot, a lot of pros. So, like, like this is this is a guy who's going to be <laughs> pathfindering. He's going to be level two perceptioning. Oh yeah, you know he's he's going to be up to a lot of stuff. He's going to be crack, yeah. cracking cases left and right. You know, reducing the difficulty of tests, like any test. I'm guessing it it was it was filthy in my standalone experience. I'm sure that that was fantastic for you in being a pretty versatile mechanic for friends and allies, right? Kind of. I mean, the thing is, if you have enough of like an evidence engine going, you eventually just have a lot of evidence. And you're mm-hmm. easily at the point where just you can kind of whenever someone's doing a test, if they need help, you can just toss them an evidence and make it easier. And that feels pretty good. Right. Right. It helps they added a couple evidence cards in this that, that synergizes them as well, too. <laughs> they, 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 they certainly did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he does, he does kind of have different directions he can go, right? Like, you could go in a kind of reduced test to zero direction, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I, I didn't really, stuff. I didn't really do any of that, but you definitely could. And I think in lower player counts, yeah. that might be pretty good. Yeah. I, I built him as just a straight up, like, research notes machine, and it was really disgustingly broken, and probably a lot of those cards <laughs> should be banned. <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. he didn't, I didn't even really need the evidence ability that much. I was kind of using it for treacheries and stuff, and it was pretty nice. But sure, the thing is, the research nose test is already a zero, so you can't really use it for that. So, <laughs> right. but it's just it's just kind of bonkers. Like just yeah, I yeah. I didn't I didn't go full seeker with him, but I had a lot of seeker and, and had a handful of like uh, survivor cards that like lucky and um, some stuff for for intellect for skill tests like winging it and sharp visions and stuff. Because when I played him, I played him uh, before the whole card suite was available. Right. So I was kind of using what we had already, but, you know, he he used Hawkeye Folding Camera, take pictures of stuff, uh, yeah. use his stats. Um, you can recycle you know, ice picks with scavenging, Milan, right? Yeah, like... I, the ice pick recycle scavenging uh, engine, he can run that as well. So he just has a lot of options for getting clues efficiently. 
see those those all seem really good but honestly if you're playing daryl and you just want to get clues very like so efficiently that you will again it should be banned just go research notes plus uh what's what's the latter card called the surprising thing that you find out which is what every secret card is called <laughs> yeah. captivating discovery no shocking it's not shocking revelation it's not is it captivating discovery they <laughs> I think, I think I, i'm sorry there's just so many at this point i've forgotten which is which right. yeah yes captain discovery the falling off the ladder yeah like honestly another card if, if, you, <laughs> if you just the, the thing yeah. is if you just if you just go research notes plus captivating discovery you just you'll you'll draw a lot of cards and you'll get a lot of evidence and then you use the evidence and then you, knowledge is power which should definitely be banned at this point which let's is be, let's be real here for right. a second completely unfair and you just it's like super archaic glyphs like it's arguably better than and you don't need to be daryl to play this by the way you can play this in like daisy or whatever if you want to just like right. completely break the game in half but like it, it it is it is a pretty fun way for daryl to go because it doesn't require any like high level secret cards it's all like level zero level right type stuff it also i've seen it in in a standalone be played with just like literally eight experience like that yeah, just yeah, that exactly sweet. like and that was including things like quick study which may oh, yeah. or may not be important but but right yeah it was it was absolutely ridiculous i ran out of stuff to spend xp on real fast in, in that ends with run because it was like you just you just get all your stuff really fast and it's like what yeah what am i <laughs> like I, I got everything i need here folks yeah yeah so so okay so, so is that a downside maybe uh yeah well so i mean like good that you his card pool he has a lot of good cards in his card pool but there's not a lot of stuff to spend xp on that's basically fine like honestly great great for scarlet keys because what we found so far is you do not get a lot of experience in scarlet keys <laughs> right the uh i guess do we want weaknesses i guess he's not his gonna... weaknesses well his weakness is kind of scary like it's really annoying because four evidence is kind of a lot. If you draw it like turn one before mm. you have any, it's just like four horror to the face can be kind of scary. Cause sure. he's not, he has okay defensive stats, but he's not like great at treacheries really, unless he has evidence to protect him from it. Right. So that's kind of scary. And, and also like, he has to set up a little bit, but yeah, like, I think less than a lot of others. Well, kind of, I, I, I mean, I think like, it's sort of like, do you have ways to get evidence? Like, it, it's there's a little more setup than maybe some other decks. I do think mm-hmm. that the little, the kind of mini game where you like put an evidence on something and then like try to take a picture of it is is very fun. I tended to like get bored and stop doing that once I had enough evidence because it it kind of makes sense. It, it's kind of a crapshoot. Like sometimes it's pretty easy, other times there's just not really a good way to do it. So you just whatever. Yeah, I'll say the other research or the other evidence cards that you're just sort of building passively, right? So. Yeah, and and I I even like I mean I I even stopped playing Hawkeye Folding Camera pretty quickly because it was like just captivating discovery and research notes was just going nuts like absolutely <laughs> with with a little bit of forewarn quick study here and there but like research notes alone will just get you and that's your hand slot so you don't really have enough to also have cameras out but right yeah not not a whole lot of weaknesses for role expert clue getter basically mm. and and some support yeah. by helping people with evidence right sure totally yeah. I don't think you can really do much of a hybrid build with him necessarily, unless you really. I guess you could evade some stuff. Maybe, you could, but you could tell yeah. him evade stuff because of his evidence. He can use it to reduce, and you could even, if you wanted to, you could get like flashlight, the upgraded flashlight and stuff. But <laughs> just play him in like a three or four player game and get a million clues, and it's yeah. going to go pretty well for. I him. mean, he's fine at every player count, right? I'm sure he's he's fine. Like survivors are always fine in solo too. I think he would just be he would so be great in two player with like anyone that can keep enemies off of him. He would just clean right. up all the clues and you would do great. So yeah, right. you could totally. I, th- I think that would go pretty well. If he has evidence, his evidence going, you can kind of think, oh, he's he's basically his plus two in every stat. 
plus there's survivor of, nonsense yeah. for reducing test down to zero for stuff so he oh yeah i mean yeah. in solo i imagine enemies would be a little bit tougher for him to deal with but uh like if he wants to actually kill them sure i i think like captivating discovery is worse in solo just because there's fewer you got to move around more to get three clues like True. dropping three clues because you obviously want to drop three clues <laughs> like dropping three clues is a lot more kind of relative terms in solo than mm-hmm. it is in three or four player but sure yeah but on the other hand, cameras may be better in lower player counts. So yeah, there's so many other builds, right? There, there's so many other things you can yeah. do with them. Favorite cards. So yeah, the, most of the, not not every evidence card in the game, but most of them are at least worth kind of looking at. The classic level 0 to 2 Seeker stuff like Crack the Case and Pathfinder and Shortcut and Practice Makes Perfect, all of those are, of course, excellent, right? Any other favorite cards we should mention? I mean, the we haven't played it ourselves yet, but the reduced to te- reduced test to zero cards I think would synergize well with him because he can enable them much more easily. Shadowlight is huge. That's what I'm running in the the windy deck in Scarlet Keys, and sometimes it's hard to to get it going. But with him being able to reduce test by two on top of all the other cards, probably probably pretty easy to get that going. Piece of cake. Yeah, hmm. yeah. He can use Gumption. He can use the Flashlight level threes. He can totally wreck things resourceful at back ice picks all that he stuff. can gump it up with the best of them i just want to point out this is apropos of nothing but i just want to point out that despite <laughs> the fact that is that he is a survivor there is no legal obligation in the game rules to play any survivor cards in the daryl deck you certainly can but you shouldn't feel like you have to so just keep that in mind if you're building daryl wow uh, well anyway that's what the, movie that's the dan daryl challenge you know. yeah which uh which 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 movie did we choose for daryl uh, what movie did we choose for you? No. A oh. movie, a movie that Ben has seen. It is a movie that oh, yeah. I have seen as of uh, today. That isn't a Marvel it's movie. It's not a Marvel movie. It's called Rear Window. Mm. I don't remember any other facts about it. It's from like 1950 something. Uh, oh, it's by Alfred it's an Hitchcock. Hitchcock movie. That's right. <laughs> yes, but that's pretty important. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock's movie. That's right. That's the key point. It's yeah. a movie about uh, a photographer, but he like he's like broken his leg, so he's stuck in his apartment. Uh, for like a week or or six weeks or whatever and he's spending the time it's the 1950s so what are, what are you gonna do it's really hot out so he just kind of spends the whole time just kind of staring out the, his back window of, of his like apartment complex and just observing people as you do he he gets some massages he drinks alcohol he talks with his old friend <laughs> yeah guy he's, or got, whatever. he's got a you girlfriend know, a and like an old army buddy and uh is she a nurse uh the person that kind of helps helps make sure his muscles don't fall apart while he's healing from his broken leg. But, you know, he, so he's kind of hanging out and, you know, he starts observing some things that are a little spooky and he's, he's got to solve a mystery while being stuck in his apartment with, with some help, some friends and his mm. everybody doesn't believe him. So it, it's a good time. He does utilize the camera in very interesting ways. I don't know if he ever actually takes a picture with it, but he utilizes other aspects <laughs> of, of the camera's technology in order to, to solve a crime, so... Much, much like Daryl Simmons does. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a good time. Uh, good good nineteen nineteen fifties movie. Pretty good. All right, so on to the last investigator in the box, right? The yeah. sixth and final one, and for the first time in five expansions, four expansions, we have a neutral investigator. Mm. They're coming back. This is Charlie Kane, the politician. Uh, he is one of the one of the most interesting stat lines of all. Uh, one. Will, one intellect, <laughs> one combat, and one agility. Very exciting. He's oh, a civic yeah. and a socialite. <laughs> right off the bat, you have three additional ally slots. Optimized stats. No stat points wasted, Like, but getting like a three or a two. Or <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, it's all put into allies. So oh, yeah. 
And then a fast action. During a skill test you are performing, exhaust an ally asset you control. For this test, you get plus one skill value, plus an additional one for each skill icon that ally has that matches that test's type. Uh, Elder Sign is a plus three, ready an ally asset at your location, and at six health, six sanity. Deck building is deck size 30. Uh, at deck creation, you choose two classes, Guardian, Seeker, Rogue, Mystic, or Survivor. And then deck building options are ally card 0 to 5, neutral card level 0 to 5, cards of your chosen classes level 0 to 2. So very unique deck building. Uh, on top of that, his signature is Bonnie Walsh, loyal assistant, ally civic assistant traded, uh, two wild icons. She has a reaction ability that says after you exhaust Bonnie Walsh, ready another ally asset you control, limit once per round, two health and two sanity, and takes up your ally slot. And then the weakness is Burden of Leadership, which is a flaw. Revelation, if you control no ally assets, shuffle Burden of Leadership back into your deck. Otherwise, for each ally asset you control, either exhaust it or deal it one direct damage and one direct horror. And Ben, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they are going to put an errata at some point through for this to be a must clause. Yeah, there's there's been an FAQ response uh, saying that they intend to errata it to be must because... Right okay. now, it's right now it does a, a pathetic weakness that does nothing most of the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Charlie Kane is one of the most like varied investigators, kind of similar to Lola in a way, in that you can sort of like paint them any color that you want among all of the classes and play a huge variety of decks with with them, right? But they're all ally centric. You get to use every single ally in the book. It's really funny that in his flavor text, his political platform seems to be very boring. It's like lower taxes, better schools, less crime. Like you go back this far into the past to the 20s, I would expect a typical politician to have a platform like make it illegal for Catholics to be uh, in government and like um, triple the tobacco tax and like reform the way that <laughs> reform the way that, that post post office employees are hired or something like they, they, they were just always into weird stuff back then. So, so Charlie Kane. So this is this is like I would say the the weird one of the set, even though most of them kind of compete for that title a little bit. Yeah, the puzzle one, right? So what are so so what are what are Charlie Kane's strengths? It's kind of hard to talk about him just because there's ten different class combinations <laughs> that he can be, and right. I'm sure some of them are a little bit stronger than others in different aspects. That we we yeah. uh, Dana and Harrison participated in uh, Veronica's. From until the end of time, her There's the many faces setup, of Charlie, many faces of Charlie, uh, set of videos and, and podcasts and stuff. So you guys talked about was a Guardian Survivor that you guys did. Yep, yeah, that was the one that you you played with uh, through Alice in Wonderland. Mm, okay, ago. okay, yeah, and that was a more fighty centric type thing. I, I mean, I think it's in terms of strengths, allies, right? Deck building, mm. you get to do whatever you want. You can build the most decks that any investigator can build, like the most flavors of decks that any investigator can build, and take any allies in the game, literally any allies in the game outside of obviously signatures and things like that, which is wild and something that I think nobody was prepared for. Uh, and since then, there have been so many Charlie decks that have popped up on ArkhamDB and people experimenting with all different kinds of allies together that they weren't able to previously. Yeah, so strengths really versatile can pretty much do anything i feel like as long as the ally support you get the experience to play the allies obviously 
you get sort of an entry level into any of the classes, right? Zero to two seekers, you're playing all those perceptions, deductions, goodness. Zero to two guardians, same thing. Level two vicious blows, level two overpowers, all that goodness. You sort of get like a good solid foot into any of the classes that you choose. Yeah, so I feel like that that's outlining a lot of strengths here. Obviously, you get a lot of ally slots. Four ally slots to start with is wild, especially with your your ally, Bonnie, is huge. It's a really, really good linchpin for Charlie in terms of strengths. It's just two wilds, which turns into three when you're using her to contribute to any skill test. And then she also can ready something like a beat cop or, you know, like a Lola Santiago to go get you another clue or something like that for the turn or contribute more more skills to, to stuff. So I think there's a lot of strengths. Pretty versatile. Yeah, definitely definitely versatile in the sense that Lola is, in the sense that like you can pretty much point the deck in whatever direction you want. Like you can you can put right. almost any card except for I mean okay, so like uh things higher than level two that aren't in that aren't neutral. Like yeah, you can't really get those. But yeah, okay, so so like versatility in terms of like how good his ability is, kind of talking about strengths and flaws, the way it kind of looks to me is like, okay, let's suppose you have three allies out because you can, or, or, or three or four allies, like you have a lot of allies, right? And let's suppose they all have two question mark symbols on them. Then you can basically make most of your tests be at a base skill of four, right? Because you can kind of like add three symbols to, you have enough allies that like, if you do say four tests per turn, you can be at like a four in, in all of them. Hmm. that's like sort of okay but how how good is that really right like if you're if you're fighting a lot you would rather just have like a base of like high combat probably if you're investigating a lot you'd rather have just like a base of high agility like i guess it's more flexible so maybe it's good in maybe maybe he's like a better solo deck kind of uh i think depends on what class combos he's using because those allies have other benefits other than just being able to be exhausted to give him stat boosts it's true, but you you might have to exhaust them to get those benefits for somebody like Lola Santiago or Beat Cop or something, you know? Yeah, so you have to make a decision there. I mean, those guys also give passive stat boosts to help you out, but... True. I mean, his main weakness for me was, I think, his setup mm. situation. Was yes. He, he has to get his allies out, and he doesn't have too much ways to... It depends, it depends what card pool you get, I guess. Um, but he right. needs an absolutely massive amount of money, generally. Because allies... <laughs> yeah. the, the thing is, like, allies tend to be pretty expensive cards. Like, they're generally good, but expensive. If you mm. think about it, like, every deck could take two charismas, right? Mm. And yet, usually you don't. Like, a lot of decks I make don't take any charismas, and some of them take one. Very few of them take two. Because even if you can play a lot of allies, a lot of times it's like you don't want to spend the actions and resources to get them out, right? I mean, in the old days, we we did take two charismas, or at least one. Uh, I think that was for lack of had... other. That was for lack of diversity yeah. in the card pool. That's why we did the right? we did the Chromo charisma at the time. It was like, oh yeah, we take this every. Single but these deck, days, right? like a, a lot of decks do don't don't play any yeah. don't play any charismas, right? True. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's you have to get a set of allies that you want that synergize with whatever combo of classes you have. You're you're right in that it's kind of like ah uh, you you can if you spread out your tests then you can it's you get up to like a four or whatever by tapping a couple of allies. I think if you focus your deck you can get allies that have two symbols on them and when you tap them they uh you know give you plus three or you can have five or six allies out and tap two of them each test and be at like a six or whatever. But you oh, have yeah. to get that set up yeah. to get it going. And right. that is a cost, right? Getting set up. And you're right, the money if you're not playing like Rogue or some or, or a class that has good money a good money engine, then yeah, also 
the money is a struggle, which I think that's something Colin struggled with when we did the Survivor Rogue. He needed a lot of money. Luckily, Kamani was like really good at stealing stuff and like giving him extra money to be in each scenario. And um, uh, and Carson also yeah, like Carson helping money. with helping with money and ever vigilance and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it seems like I, I would say Guardian is going to be a pretty good class just because you do get access Same. to things like motivational speech. And things like it, and, and, yeah, or um, what's the skill card? Inspiring presence, things like that. That would be pretty good. Yeah. But you can definitely find some cards that are good in any of the five classes. Yeah, it, I mean, I think that's that's kind of like it's really hard to, again because there's so many directions you can go with it. It's kind of hard to nail this down. But to me, it seems like the weakness is sort of just like lots of setup, and at the end of the day, like does ha- how good is how good is having like three charismas? Because like, yeah. you could just play a regular deck and have two. Right and yeah, and, you but know, like, play uh, Charlie and have two, and that's well, like <laughs> that's true. But 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 I'm just saying, like, yeah, like how good is it to be able to play all the allies in the game? Is that worth having mm. all of your base stats be once? And I'm not sure that it is, mm. but I think this is at least like an interesting deck building challenge that a lot of people will have a lot of fun with. Yeah, I think that's the big pro here. The big con is that he is essentially nothing without his allies. Mm-hmm. Like literally nothing without his allies. In fact. And yeah. another big pro is that I have definitely seen a 16 sled dog Charlie Kane <laughs> be played at a at a worthy outer gods in person, wow. which was glorious. <laughs> anyway, favorite cards. Dogs. Did he take other people's sled dogs somehow? He yes, they they okay. teamworked them around the table. Everybody took four sled dogs <laughs> wow. and teamworked them to Charlie, and Charlie had sixteen sled dogs. That's a lot and of dealt, dogs. So dumb, and dealt the funny. big elder god a bunch of dog damage. So we're not going to talk about the movie yet, but I assume we picked the movie Hotel for Dogs for for Charlie. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna need a hotel for all those dogs. Um, so uh, for for real though, so roll for Charlie again feels like it could be basically anything. Because of yeah, just yeah. the flexibility, like like Colin played him as a fighter in our Innsmouth run at Arkham Knights. Sure, right. But you, I think you could go in different directions. You could play a little Santiago yeah. and go for clues, whatever. Right. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Favorite cards, allies, and ally accessories. Right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good allies. <laughs> things that desperately pour money into your 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 unfillable right. money hole because you need, like politicians, <laughs> you need as much money as you can like possibly get politicians. to pay people yes. off. Yeah, you'll never right. have enough money ever, so just play all the money cards you can possibly get. Um, and yep. yeah, things things that help you leverage your allies in some way are going to be good. Like like if you're already playing allies with good icons and you want to get even more stat boosts, you could play well. Pre- Actually, no, well prepared is level three, isn't it? So I guess you can't play that. But uh, yeah, okay. Well, you know, th- things of that nature. Any other uh, special cards that are really good for Charlie? That's it. If anybody has any specific cards that they've had great experiences with that we haven't mentioned. Feel free to sound off in Discord or wherever. Mm-hmm. For uh, for the movie for Charlie Kane, I mean, this is, I think Charlie Kane is like a very old school Arkham Files investigator. Like, I think he dates back from one of the very early Arkham Horror things. Is that right, Ben? I want to say he was an early edition. I can't, I can't remember. I don't think he's an original OG Call of Cthulhu one, but I think he was. He's uh, not. Uh, like, the reason I suspect that is because the early, the first couple rounds of investigators, they would just like, they would put in characters that were like really basic spins on like existing characters from movies and stuff. And they would just like change the name a little bit like Monterey Jack. So Charlie Kane right. is basically just literally Charles Foster Kane from citizen Kane. Right. It's like the, the time period's a little it's different, but the Charlie idea Kane. of kind of yep. the idea of kind of like a politician who's kind of like a, a an orator um, and citizen Kane's a really great movie. So uh, Some that's, say that's it's what, the best ever made. 
that that is true. That that's what we picked. So if you, if you want to really have a good time, watch a double feature of Citizen Kane and David Venture's Mank, which came out a couple years ago, which is kind of a kind of a companion piece. So have have a good time with it. Have fun with it. Yeah, I mean, has a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes score or ninety nine percent or something like that? Yeah, I mean it's it's you, impossible. You're not going to go wrong. Even even don't let the river beast get you. Doesn't have a hundred percent. The thing is, once once anything gets close, there's a huge incentive for anybody to have like a scorching hot take, which I respect completely. Sure. So, but but certainly, almost everyone would agree a very good movie. I just I just looked yeah. up some Charlie trivia and he wasn't he wasn't introduced until Arkham Horror Second Edition, not until the fourth expansion, the Kingsport oh, wow. expansion. Huh. I thought he was a little bit earlier in the in the game than that. Uh, I also learned mm-hmm. that the character from Citizen Kane, uh, Charles Foster Kane, was of course was actually based on William Rudolph mm-hmm. Hurst, who I assume was a yep. real person. So and a char- and a character in the film Mank, played by the guy <laughs> oh, from Game of Thrones, I think. Okay. So. But he's still a classic. Uh, I would also mention Citizen Kane. It's from the early '40s, but it's it's still it's a very watchable movie. It's not like um, if, if you're not used to watching old movies, it's not going to like be boring and weird. Like you'll you'll have a great time watching it, even if oh, you yeah. don't typically watch stuff like that. Yeah, Orson Welles always had a way with with making things intriguing and interesting and keeping action pacing up and stuff. So yeah, it moves it moves along briskly. A lot of stuff happens in it. It's not a uh, you know it, it's not like it's not like a heavy lift. You'll you'll have a good time with it. Yeah. Well. With that, we wrap up the Investigators and Scarlet Keys. What is your experience with all these Investigators? And is there any Amina and Charlie tech we've missed? I know that we were sort of maybe a little bit more down on them uh, because we haven't had much experience or our experiences were maybe sort of like not as great. So if you have any cool decks that you made that have done really well, let us know. Reach out to us, leave us a comment or email us at comments at meora.fm. Follow us on social networks, including Instagram, Facebook, or join our Discord server to hang out. Subscribe to us on YouTube and Twitch. You can find a link to all of these at social.mur.fm. And if you really enjoy what we do, we always appreciate a nice review on your favorite podcast source. It really helps others find us. Also, we've mentioned a lot of playthroughs with us playing these investigators, and you can find all of those as live play VODs on YouTube. We will go, be going live on Twitch from time to time with MUR Plays things. With that said, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.